and welcome to Treks in Sci-Fi. The TARDIS has landed and delivered us to you. My name is Simon Meddings and with me is fellow Time Lord Kenny. Hello, Kenny. Hey, Med, how's it going? Yeah, good, my man, good. And of course, it wouldn't be the same without the ultra-talented Time Lady, Casey. Hello, Casey. Oh, I'm blushing. Hi, you guys. Hey. Now, it's been a, been a while since we uh, all met up to talk about the last Doctor Who series with uh, David Tennant. And I uh, do remember Casey being rather upset and in tears, uh, knowing there would be no more David Tennant. But, you know, we've got a new Doctor, and this is what we're here to talk about. Some say it's Series 5, others say it's Series 32. Either way, it's got a lot of new things, and one of those is the new theme tune by Murray Gold. And what best way to start the podcast than to play it? So here is the new theme tune. That's the new theme tune there. Uh, Kenny, do you like the new version of it? Um, yeah, I, it's still it's still in the vein of the original, or not the original, but the the new series version <laughs> of it. Yeah. Um, and I still hear the original in there a little bit too. So mm. yeah, I enjoy it. It's it's, it's not my favorite, but uh, it's not horrible. Yeah, yeah. It took me a uh, it took me a while to warm up to it. Casey, what, what do you think? I actually think it's my favorite. <laughs> I I don't know. I kind of like how it begins differently. Like, Like, it's like brand new. Oh, my gosh. And then it goes into the original. Now, did you notice the... uh, Yeah, I mean, I I was kind of... When I first heard it, I didn't like it. Uh, But then as the series went on, I really enjoyed it. But mainly because we we have new title cards, obviously, new Doctor, new title cards. But the... Uh, each episode, the titles were different. Um, there was more lightning, and it got darker as each episode went by. I don't know if you, you two noticed that. I did not notice that. Uh-huh. Wow, I'm going to go back and watch that again. Uh, you see, I didn't notice that either. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, I didn't pick up on it. Well, actually, um, it was somebody on the Doctor Who podcast who mentioned it, and I went back and watched them, and I thought, yeah, it's only subtle. But, uh, yeah, if you notice it, it's, uh, it's there. So we start off with um, the very first episode, The Eleventh Hour. Box. How can a box of engine? It's not a box. It's a time machine. What? A real one. You've got a real time machine. Not much longer if I can't get it stabilized. Five minute hop into the future should do it. Can I count? Not safe in here, not yet. Five minutes. Give me five minutes. I'll be right back. Uh, 
Um, it was transmitted here in the UK on the 3rd of April. Uh, written by the brilliant Stephen Moffat. The overview of this is the Doctor has regenerated, but he's thrown into danger before he's actually able to fully recover. The TARDIS is a wreck. It's smashed up. His sonic screwdriver is destroyed, and he only has 20 minutes to save the world. But he has Amy Pond to help him. Kenny, your view of the very first episode of Matt Smith's tenure of the Doctor. Loved it. Everything about it. Because, you know, it's always hard when a new Doctor takes over. Because, I mean, I've only been there from when uh, Eccleston and then Tennant to now Tennant to Smith. Mm-hmm. But it took me a while to warm up to to Tennant when he took over because I just loved Eccleston so much. So, But this was amazing because it's the very first episode. I was totally taken in. I He was the Doctor. He played him to a T. He was perfect. Amy Pond was awesome. It was just, it was a, it was a great, it was probably my, my favorite first episode of the three doctors mm. that I've been with. Yeah. I think it's one of the best written first episodes of a season that we've had so far because I'm, I'm not going to lie. The first episode of almost every season within the past couple of years have kind of been like mediocre to not so great. It's just the way it is. But you know, Stephen Moffat is, you know, such a great writer, and I think it's he's very consistent with very good beginnings, middles, and ends. And Russell T. Davies is just very good at the middle and then the very end, and not so much at the beginning. And that's what a lot of writers have problems with. So, eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that's like dead on there, really. I mean, this this new uh, opening episode, we had a little bit of a Doctor Who party here uh, for it, and uh, you know, the house went silent. We'd uh, I put my daughter <laughs> to bed about half an hour earlier than normal, just so that she wouldn't interrupt us. And I'd already seen, I think all of us had already seen the opening uh, scenes anyway, because they had been previewed uh, with the TARDIS. Uh, nearly uh, smashing into uh, St. Well, Stephen's Tower, which is otherwise known as Big Ben. Uh, and I remember seeing that and thinking, oh, this, this is such a fantastic start to, you know, the new series. Uh, and I, I think I, I did say in the last couple of podcasts we've done on Doctor Who that I wasn't a great fan of the TARDIS interior. I just, I just didn't like the look of it, loved the outside of it. But when... Uh, you see the new updated TARDIS. One, the outside of it looks just beautiful. It's back to the original 1963 design. But the inside blew my mind. To me, it was like steampunk and and how it should be. Uh, I'm a big fan of steampunk, so I obviously loved the interior. (laughs) It was just so pretty. It's so pretty (laughs) to look at. Whereas, you know, I'm not like... I love the interior previously, but every now and then I get under the sea from Little Mermaid stuck in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Because everything looks like it belongs like under the ocean. But yeah, this new interior is just gorgeous. I mean, I'd want to travel in that. Oh, damn. I bet it's a bugger to polish, though. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of of (laughs) copper and a lot of chrome. Uh, Kenny, uh, would you, uh, you be happy to travel in that thing? Oh, of course. Uh, I'd be having to travel in any of the TARDISes, but um, it's funny that you say that the outside was different, because honestly, I'm, maybe I'm just not observant enough, but it doesn't look any different. It's still a blue police box to me. But the inside, obviously, that changes big time. But again, that, to me, I don't think it's as much of a big deal as it is to you, and maybe yeah. because you've been with the series a lot longer, mm-hmm. that it's, it's you know, it because to me, I mean, it's awesome looking. I love steampunk, and it's an awesome looking set, but I liked the first, I liked Tenants and Eccleson's version of the TARDIS also. And I like the previous ones. They just they change as they go. So I don't think that was a 
big factor for me. I wasn't excited to see that. It was just okay. They, well, they changed the targets. That's cool. Mm. I mean, I mentioned this on uh, on the Doctor Who podcast that I did that from a really small age, <clears throat> Doctor Who uh, and the TARDIS was it was the TARDIS that made me want to watch Doctor Who. Uh, I've been a, uh, a f- bit of a ultra geek when it comes to the TARDIS. I mean, I've been saving up to own my own one. You know, to, obviously not not a real TARDIS, but <laughs> a, a, a prop model that would go in the garden. But I mean, it's about two and a half thousand pounds. It's quite expensive to have. But the the yeah. new look one, I mean, it's it's gone back to having the St. John's ambulance on the front of it, on the front panel, which is what all police boxes in the uh, United Kingdom used to have anyway. And if you look at early William Hartnell episodes, You'll see the the badge on it, but it does slowly get fades off and then gets painted over as uh, the series went on. Um, it's it's just a beautiful looking blue, but I mean that's you know the geeky element of uh, of sci-fi, isn't it? I mean we all get excited by the new look Enterprise and well not everybody, yeah. but uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, just, yeah. There's, there's always a group of people who are who love the the, the machines that are traveled in. Awesome know? stuff. Um, right. Oh, and we get of course we get a brand new sonic screwdriver as well. Um, I was never. I mean I, the sonic screwdriver. It's one of them. It's got to be tiresome for me, um, especially in this series. It seemed to be overused quite a bit. It was almost, um, I know it's been referred to on, the, on a lot of forums as almost like Harry Potter's wand. You know, he's, he's always getting it out and, you know, using it to get himself out of trouble. And I think it, I think it could be a little bit overused in this series. Um, it looks good, but, you know, overused. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool looking, but yeah, I think I think you're right. It's just it, that thing can do anything. If if he needs it yeah. to do it, it'll do it. And I'm like, okay, well, they don't really establish what the limits are on it, and I'm assuming there are no limits because he seems to use it for everything. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. It, I, he can't get through wood. I think that was the one thing he does say in the in the series, but. Uh, I think one of the only doctors who uh, was it no Tom John Perry had the first had the sonic screwdriver. The only doctor who didn't use it regularly was actually Peter Davison. Um, he, he he didn't use the sonic screwdriver at all. But you know we'd all want one. Of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean I miss old one personally because I'm a bigger fan of blue than I am. And it like the new one. Well, I like the design. It just looks a little clunky. Yeah, I think they went with the more steampunk version of the sonic screwdriver. Yeah, and I was also kind of bothered with how Matt Smith just kind of whipped it out <laughs> all the time. It's like it's like a boy when a boy gets like a like new, something new, new like yeah, yeah, a new toy, and he's just like, look what I have, and yeah. he just flings it around everywhere, and you're just like, oh my gosh. Put it away. <laughs> you know, this is so double entendre. We're going to move on quickly because my. <laughs> and so let's quickly move on uh, to episode two, The Beast Below. My name is Amy Pond. When I was seven, I had an imaginary friend. Last night was the night before my wedding. Come on, Pond. And my imaginary friend came back. <laughs> okay, your box is a spaceship. It's really, really a spaceship. <laughs> we are in space! <laughs> what are you breathing? I've extended the air shell. We're fine. Now that's interesting. 29th century, solar flares roast the earth, and the entire human race packs its bags and moves out till the weather is broke. Whole nations Doctor? migrating to the stars. Doctor? Isn't that amazing? Doctor! Well, come on, I found us a spaceship. 
uh, transmitted on uh, the 10th of April. Um, I, I will say this, uh, that the, the trouble over in England, um, and obviously America, you was involved in this as well, the World Cup was on, um, and that did knock uh, Doctor Who's ratings a little bit. And also we had a, seemed to have a, an unusual summer here in England and obviously hot days and football not many people are watching the TV so ratings reviews for Doctor Who did um, drop a little bit and uh, this did suffer the beast below um, overview of this is Amy Pond takes her first trip in the TARDIS with a doctor wicks her way to the distant future and they discover Britain in space Starship UK houses the future of the British people as they search the stars for a new home. But when Amy explores, she encounters the terrifying Smilers and learns a deadly truth inside the voting booth. Uh, Casey, um, what's your view on the beast below? First of all, Liz Ten's costume, I want it. (laughs) (laughs) I want it. I want to make it or I want to own it. It shall be mine one day. (laughs) (laughs) um but i think i think it was a great follow-up to um the 11th hour and i guess in some ways i kind of liked it like a tad bit more than the 11th hour because you get to see more of amy's character and um i think especially since the companion is kind of what we as an audience relates to because she's the more human experience um i think it was very important to learn a little bit more about her so that's why i that's why I liked it. Uh, I enjoyed it. I don't know if I liked it as much as the 11th hour. I did enjoy it. I liked the, the, the plot twist because I didn't see anything coming. Mm. And I don't know if just because I'm, you know, I was just into the story and and I had not a clue. I mean, obviously, there's a certain point where you where you get it finally. But, um, yeah, it was it was just a fun, enjoyable uh, episode. Yeah. A good second episode. There was a couple of things that didn't work. Well, that didn't work, but I picked up on was the um, the beast, which is obviously piloting uh, uh, the well, UK. Um, how they get blown out of the mouth, but you see the mouth is in space. So how what happens there? That's a bit of a serious mistake, isn't it? Because it, you know that's a real silly mistake <laughs> more than anything. Um, and it's of course the second time we actually see the crack. We saw it at the uh, the end of the eleventh hour. That's what the whole episode was about. Was this strange crack that's in Amy's wall, and then we see it again um, in the beast below. Uh, I was sort of like thinking, uh, I hope we don't get to see this in every episode because um, I thought that could have got quite tiresome quickly. Yeah, I got sick of it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, look, there's a crack everywhere. Want to <laughs> shove it down our throat a little bit more? <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit. I, uh, I don't think they needed to do it as much. Or, or at least have, have the crack there, but it's up to you, the viewer, um, to see it. And if you don't see it, you don't see it. If you do, you do. Not to make it so blatantly obvious, but, uh, you know, it was uh, it worked out in the end, I guess. That's why I liked Bad Wolf. It's because while there were some points where you could see it and then some points where you couldn't. Mm. Like in every episode, mm-hmm. where yeah, kind of hidden. That, that was definitely one of the ones where you second viewing, you notice them a bit more. And in fact, really on the second viewing of this series, um, uh, I mean, I, I went back and watched a couple of these episodes, uh, one before we started recording this, and as they came out, and I did notice a, a, a little bit more on second viewing. But uh, I don't think there's any point to ram it down your throat, as you say. It's a, it's a bit wrong, but not a bad second episode, but not my favourite. Although I thought the Smilers were brilliant, they were pretty sinister and i thought they could have been used a little bit a little bit better than that yeah i was terrified of those things <laughs> like within the first five minutes and they just so, suddenly slowly turn their heads 
there's like extreme angry face and it's scarier because it's a kid that's in danger and you don't and i didn't know if he was gonna live or die yeah i think that's that's the key of it though that it's going back to the um the original stable of Doctor Who, where he is to scare children, the, the the whole behind the sofa scenario, and I think that was a it's classic Stephen Moffat at the end of the day. That's what he does best is to actually scare you. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, quickly jumping on to the third episode, Victory of the Daleks. Winston Churchill, Doctor, is it you? Cabinet war rooms, right? Yep. I have something to show you. Our new secret weapon. This is one of my iron sights. You're what? I am your soldier. He didn't invent their alien. They will win me the war. They're up to something, but what is it? What are they after? I've defeated you time and time again. I saved the whole of reality for you. I am the Doctor. And you are the Daleks. It's the restoration of the Daleks. Uh, this was transmitted on the 17th of April 2010, written by the League of Gentlemen's Mark Gatiss. Uh, the Doctor has been summoned by his old friend Winston Churchill in the cabinet war rooms far below the blitz-torn streets of London. Uh, he finds, though, his oldest enemy waiting for him, the Daleks. I had high hopes for this, and they were blown out uh, pretty quickly. I didn't like this episode. Really not a fan of it. Uh, it was okay. I probably liked it more than you. Mm. Uh, I I enjoyed it, but I'm just tired of the Daleks. And they seem they kill them in every single series, and they seem to always come back again. There's always a uh, a rogue group somewhere, or they're hidden somewhere, they're in the void, or I mean, I know that's that's his arch nemesis, and it's been throughout the entire series. I was just hoping we didn't get it after you know so quickly. It was only three episodes in, and we already have Daleks. Yeah, there is a a, a one point in this episode. The Doctor murmurs the final end. Uh, In the 1967 story, The Evil of the Daleks, the second Doctor uses the exact same words while surveying the Daleks attacking each other as they wage civil war. In this episode, he believes he was witnessing the death of his oldest enemies. So that's going back to 1967, where he's watching them kill themselves. And as you've just turned around and said, once again, um, we're facing with the Daleks who, who just seem to survive you know all yeah. the time um, yeah yeah the the army covered Dalek I thought looked brilliant uh, I really did think it looked excellent with the little UK um, flag on his on the chest uh, it looked mm-hmm. beautiful the colored Daleks not so much uh, yeah. I really <laughs> I really liked the army you know yeah, I really like the army co- colored Daleks. I was just like, oh my god, those look cool. Those look like they're aged, and I think those look amazing. I hope those are the new, the those are the Daleks that you know they keep going with. And then they reveal their upgrade, and they look kind of like um, one of those. They kind of remind me of those little vacuum machines that you know kind of go by themselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it it ju- they just look utterly ridiculous and as for the episode itself you know i kind of had hopes for this episode too because mark gatiss wrote it and i and i liked the what was it the quiet dead yeah was it called from season one yeah um yeah i liked that episode um but with this one not so much i was really disappointed 
Yeah, I think that's the, the, the quite popular census regarding this new look Dalek. I mean, as we said just then, the the army looking Dalek was was just beautiful. It was back to the original old style design and and looked pretty menacing actually. Although why it had little uh, sacks on its uh, on its arm because it, it, it hasn't got hands. So I mean, what was that for? <laughs> Carrying tea bags, I suppose. I mean, there were some nice little bits like you know, how my beer service and would you like a cup of tea? Would you care for some tea? I actually did get a big laugh here, but uh, yeah, the new look Daleks, they reminded me of Fiat Pontos. Um, the colours, I can put up with the colours a little bit purely for the fact that the um, the Peter Cushing film version of the uh, of the Doctor, that's that's what they look like. But uh, no, it, it, it really did fall on its on its backside. Not not a great fan, and I think they put it in in this slot purely for the fact that the next episode uh, was the Time of Angels. Stone Angel among stone statues. Perfect hiding place. We're all in terrible danger. Keep looking, it can't move if you're looking. Don't blink, Amy, don't even blink. The time will be upon us. The time of angels. Um, broadcast 24th of April, again, written by uh, Stephen Moffat, uh, this time with the enigmatic River Song hurtles back into the Doctor's life, but she's not the only familiar face, of course. We have the Weeping Angels. Uh, Casey, the Weeping Angels are back, and, of course, River Song. Uh, was it, is this a thumbs-up one for you? I, I loved um, the Time of Angels. Um, I love the Weeping Angels. I love sitting next to my boyfriend as he cowers in fear <laughs> at the very sight of them. I showed him Blink, and he was, like, completely freaked out it was kind of like this reverse thing when i see every other horror movie and every other thing that's scary or gory it was it, it was a nice little re- role reversal um <laughs> i thought it was well written the one thing i was not excited about for this episode was river song i don't like her i did not i didn't like her until the very end of the season and i personally think that it should not take me that long to like a character what well, why is that then i don't know i think I discussed this before with other people. I think for the most part, what really bugs me is um, Alex Kingston's, even though she's a brilliant actress, her line readings bother me a lot. <laughs> so this is a professional, like yeah, this is a professional uh, uh, criticism then more than anything. Yeah, it's more of a professional criticism. And again, it's it's also a bit of a character thing because I don't really get to I don't really understand, you know, what makes her make, what makes her vulnerable. She just kind of se- seems, you know, very it's mysterious, but you know, I don't really connect with the character at all until the very end, until the very very end, until the last episode. Yes, and yeah. we'll talk about that later. Uh, I was extremely excited to see the Weeping Angels back. They were one of my favorites. From um, season three, mm-hmm. two, three, three, confused, three. Yes. So I was excited for this whole storyline. Uh, you know, I was I was on the edge of my seat, and then all of a sudden, you get the to be continued, which you kind of anticipated. But this was the first two parter, um, so you had to wait yeah. for the second part. 
but uh, it was it was a it was a cool story. Um, I like River Song. I mean, I I liked her in, you know, uh, the library episodes. Yeah. And I just think she's she's such an interesting character. I just want to know more about her. So I think that's what draws me to her is the fact that we know hardly anything about her. There's so much speculation online about who she is. Yeah. It's crazy. I think that's cool. And you do want to know, you know, you get little bits, tidbits here and there, but we still don't know who she mm. is, really. Use the stabilizers! Doesn't have stabilizers! The blue switches! Well, the blue ones don't do anything. They're just blue. Yes, they're blue. They're the blue stabilizers. <sighs> we haven't landed. Of course we've landed. I just landed her. But it didn't make a noise. What noise? No, the... <gasps> It's not supposed to make that noise. You leave the brakes on. Yeah. Well, it's a brilliant noise. I love that noise. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is obviously she's met this doctor. She met David Tennant's doctor, but this still isn't her doctor. You know, so we know he's going to change again before. Mm. He, I mean, you know, her story. I just think she's such an intriguing character. I look forward to seeing where she goes. And I'm so glad they used her so much in this season. Do you do you have a uh, an opinion of who you, th- you know, she could be? You know, I mean, I hear that she's, you know, Amy Pond's mother, mm. and th- that 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 Amy Pond is the doctor and and River so- Song's uh, child, which I don't particularly believe. No. Uh, <laughs> no. You know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who she is. I don't know. People are saying that she kills the doctor, and that's why she's in jail. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. And I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, one, I don't think she's uh, she's not a time lord or time lady, because mm-hmm. uh, we already know that um, uh, another Galifian can tell another Galifian. Well, that was said, but of course he, he didn't notice the master when he was, you know, his life was hidden in the key fob. Um, so I don't, I find it hard to believe that she's anything to do with Galifian. Uh, I don't believe it's his wife because that's one too obvious. There was a, I did think at one point it could be um, his daughter, but then there's too many things where, like, she says sweetie to him, so that can't be right. Um, yeah, I would hope so. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, and the whole thing to do with Amy Pond, I don't I don't think he's right anyway, because, uh, you know, River Song was in the series before even Amy Pond was thought about. And I don't. I think Stephen Moffat's too... Already knows what's going on. He wouldn't have thought of that. I don't think. Um, mm-hmm. uh, or may, maybe it is purely for the fact that it's made up to be something that it just seriously isn't. You know, um, she could be a, a different alien. It, who's to say that she actually is human uh, in in looking? This could be a whole True. perception filter. We know the perception filter is is always uh, talked about. Um, but of course, it leads us into you know um, finding more about her in the in the next uh, the next series. Um, we've you know the Weeping Angels. Just a brilliant creation. My my friend Peter has a, a life size cardboard cutout of a weeping angel, which he has. <laughs> Look, uh, it's actually outside. Uh, the way well, you can see it in the window if you walk past his house and look up it's looking out the window um so casey maybe you should buy one and <laughs> just leave it leave I it know. in the room so kevin walks in he's <laughs> like he was screaming that's a uh, i'm I going think. i would i would take it run up to my boyfriend's door ring the doorbell r- put it down run away <laughs> <laughs> and then i would probably suffer the consequences but it would be so fun and you could film it and then put it online i know that's what i want (laughs) 
um, yeah, so that was the part one of it. Part two was Flesh and Stone. Do not blink. What's happening to me? I'm sure it's coming. I can feel it. If you open your eyes now for more than a second, you will die. It's like the crack from my bedroom wall when I was a little girl. That's extremely very not good. The power's failing. We're surrounded. In the dark, we're finished. On my count, then. Three, two, one. Fire. Keep your eyes shut and keep moving. You have to do this. It's never going to work. What else have you got? We're not leaving without you. Oh, yes, you are. Doctor, come on! Uh, broadcast obviously the week after on the 1st of May um, in Flesh and Stone the Doctor, Amy and River face the Weeping Angels but discover an even more sinister force threatening them there's also a point in this where this is the first time uh, in this episode that we see something strange uh, in the 11th hour there was a problem with Rory's card it said uh, the date on it was 1992 yet he has uh, a smartphone so there's a strange thing there but in this one the Doctor loses his jacket to a Weeping Angel and then the next minute, you see him turn up with his jacket back on. And I, I remember looking at him thinking, ooh, that's a continuity uh, you know, mistake. Pretty a big one as well. And everyone online and all the Doctor Who forums and even on the, on the podcast was, was mentioning this, saying, this is what, you know, someone's going to get the sack big time here. About, did, did you, did, Kenny, did you notice that about the jacket? I did. And, I, you know, I, I just thought it, like, you, like it was just a continuity error. Um, because they didn't really explain it, because you know, you he didn't have it, and then all of a sudden he's wearing it again. You're like, well, maybe he got it back, or you know, some scene they didn't show that they shot. But yeah, it was, just, it was one of those strange things. I didn't necessarily notice the jacket, although maybe looking back, I consciously noticed it. Mm. What I kind of noticed more was the difference in mood, where at first he was kind of a little more nonchalant, and then all of a sudden he's being very caring. With Amy, and I'm just like, wow, that's a 180. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, I thought it was, that moment was very sweet, but it, it was like, I don't, um, wait, what just, I don't understand. Yeah. The the whole of this episode, where well, we get to see the crack again, obviously uh, turns up. The uh, the idea of the crack in time was suggested to Stephen Moffat by a crack in the wall over his son's bed. Uh, Stephen described the crack as looking like a smile, uh, but was careful not obviously to tell his uh, his son that because I think that would really <laughs> freak you over. No, it looks like a smile. Um, there is a thing because we see Cam- uh, well not cameras but Amy's bedroom uh, again in this episode, and it's all blue. If you notice, it's blue walls. Uh, um, there's a definite blue theme running throughout the whole of her bedroom, and this links in with the colour of the TARDIS. Uh, and also, Amy can't can't forget it, which I didn't notice about it until I actually read that and That's, went back and watched that it. That is cool. So many details that built into this that you don't think about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the that's crazy. Uh, yeah, those and those are the subtle things that, as, as we said earlier on, you know, you have the the, the crack, which is you know always shown to, obviously too much um, but the little things like the blue uh, and all this and of course we actually get to see the date which concerns the doctor is 26062010 which of course was yeah. the exact uh, date that the last episode was uh, was done yeah I loved it I loved the episode I, I think uh, I don't think we'll see I hope I hope we don't see the weeping angels again uh, at least for a good couple of series uh, i'd hate for them to come back next series because that may end up being another dalek scenario oh you know they'll bring them back 
Mm, they're too much of a fan favorite for them to if they if they're gonna bring dogs back and cybermen back they better bring the weeping angels back again yeah i'd rather see the weeping angels again than the daleks the daleks yeah yeah we'll we'll, we'll, we'll bring up the cybermen um at the end uh because there's there's something i've noticed but i'll it might just be me who knows Uh, anyway uh next uh (laughs) the next episode is the vampires of venice rory we need to talk about your fiance. I'm sending you somewhere. Together. Ooh, what, like a date? Venice! Venezia! Something happens in there. Something evil. Pale, creepy girls who don't like sunlight. Am I thinking what I think I'm thinking? Vampires! In Venice. <laughs> this whole thing is mental. Uh. <laughs> People upstairs are very noisy. There aren't any people upstairs. I knew you were going to say that. Did anyone else know you was going to say that? Move! You need someone on the inside. Now, are you insane? You don't have another option. You have no idea how dangerous you make people to themselves when you're around. Amy, come back! I'll be fine. They're vampires, for God's sake. We hope. So if they're not vampires... Uh, Transmitted 8th of May, written by Toby Whitehouse. The Doctor takes Amy and Rory away for a romantic break, but terror awaits them in the 16th century Venice. Uh, What secrets are held by the house of Calavelli, and who is the mysterious Rosanna? Uh, The Doctor, of course, is taking uh, Amy and Rory away for a romantic break because Amy um, did the cardinal sin, uh, which uh, was the one thing that ruined the last episode for me, actually, was uh, kissing uh, the Doctor. It was like, what are you doing uh i, I think judging by you, you, what you just said there kenny uh, you weren't happy with that either i was beyond that that i mean i love the episode but i was like they cannot go down this road again i'm so tired of it and this i know you're gonna hate this meds but this is why i love donna is because she was a true companion of the doctor she yeah. was there for him she was she wasn't trying to get in his pants she wasn't trying anything she just wanted to be there for the adventure with him. She wanted to enjoy the ride. And that's one thing I loved about her because Rose had a romantic interest. Martha, who I thought was going to be really different, turned into a romantic interest. Mm-hmm. And then you have Amy. And I was like, oh, please don't make her fall in love with a doctor. Yeah. I was, I was, I was so frustrated. Yeah, it was, it was the same for me. Mind you, I love my love stories. <laughs> I do. I love romance. But at the same time, um, I would like to... I would at least like a pretty long wait before they do they do it again. And for another thing, I have an issue with, you know, Rory being so in love with this girl. This is my problem with TV. Rory is a good guy. He's so in love with this girl. And she's just like, I have cold feet. I'm going to kiss this alien dude. <laughs> that seems exciting. It was so cliche. It was I'm going to say this. It it was so American TV. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about that. Yeah. Uh. yeah. I know, I know, I know. I mean, there are the things that people say, well, it's because of what happened in the, you know, in the previous. I don't 
buy that. I, I don't think, buy it. Nah, it was just very, very... Why he... Whether he did it on purpose to try and get a reaction, I'm not too sure. Uh, I mean, Rory, uh, played by Arthur uh, Darvel, who, who I will point out, comes from the same place as me. Uh, nice one, uh, Arthur. Uh, good born Birmingham lad there. Good to see him. Um, he's got a lot of stick, actually. Um, and uh, and I, I, I'd like him. I think he's a, I think he's a great guy. I know people are, are comparing him to the Mickey. You know, it's a bit like Mickey, but uh, I, I don't agree with that. I think they're totally different characters. I think he plays oh, a I bit well. I love Rory. I didn't realize people were being bad about Rory. Mm. I think it's a great. I love that they brought him on as a companion for a few episodes. I like him. I mean, he needs to get a you know a little backbone sometimes in some episodes, but he definitely evolves as the series goes. Yeah, yeah, he really does. And this this episode, Vampires of Venice, um, I think he does. He, do, I mean, it's this is this is actually Vampires of Venice. This is the one that I reviewed on the Doctor Who podcast, and I saw a clip of this before the series started on uh, on Jonathan Ross, uh, and it was the scene where uh, the Doctor walks down the steps and he sees the the vampires there, and he pulls out his library card, and it's the first Doctor on the library card. Now, people, some people are saying, oh, you know, what, why, why does Stephen Moffat have these little things in? To me, that is awesome because it's not, it's not too much in your face, but it's also a nod to people that have been with Doctor Who for the past nearly 50 years. Um, yeah. That that killed me, that did. But that was the first time I saw, that clip was the first time I saw Matt Smith as the Doctor, and I was immediately hooked on him, just the way that he had his kind of like, he had, holds his hands a little bit close to his chest as he's walking, and he's flicking backwards and forwards. Uh, that was brilliant. And this episode, I, I, I did have my doubts about it, because vampires, and you think, oh my god, but I loved it. and wasn't too keen on the, the end bit of this episode, but I'll come back to that in a minute. But I loved it. I, I liked it a lot. I thought I thought it was fun. Uh, when I first heard about the Vampires of Venice, I was not excited, because I'm I, I'm so sick of this vampire craze. Mm. I didn't know how they were going, going to play it out. But... I was completely pleased when they say when they said that they were just fish from space. It was one of the most creative things that you could ever think of that they are just giant piranhas in human guise. It was just fun. It was it was a fun episode and I enjoyed it. Mm, I think the guy in this, the the, uh, the vampire son, I'd I'd love to smack him in the face because he uh, he was just such a mummy's boy. He really was. It was just like, oh please, you know what a what a I know a git. Uh, the little factor uh, here is uh, the read through for the Vampires of Venice took place on the twenty third of November two thousand and nine, exactly forty six years after the very first episode of Doctor Who. So that's a little little fact there about uh, Vampires of Venice. Uh, Kenny, did you like it? Uh, I did enjoy it. Um, it wasn't my favorite, uh, but it was by far my least favorite. It was a nice story. I loved the special effects. I thought the aliens were really cool looking, mm-hmm. uh, very unexpected, and uh, overall, it was just it was a it was a nice story, just nice and simple story. Did you notice the nod to David Tennant in this episode? Oh gosh, what was the nod? And I'll tell you if I remember. <laughs> uh, the, the doctor mentions that he knew Casanova. And of course, David Tennant played Casanova in uh, the Horsey Davis' no, version. Yeah, I did not catch that. I did notice that actually. <laughs> I had to, I, I had to be reminded, but I did notice that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well then, so uh, Vampires of Venice, a, a, a good one for me actually. I quite liked it. Uh, so the uh, the next one, which is a, a big favourite of mine, uh, is Amy's Choice. Oh, look at you both fighting and Time to sleep. Or are you waking up? If you're the Time Lord, let's call me the Dream Lord. Two worlds. Here, in the Time Machine. And there, in the village that Time forgot. One is real, 
the others fake. Trouble is, Rory, Amy, which is which? So here's your challenge. If you die in the dream, wake up in reality. Ask me what happens if you die in reality. What happens? You die, stupid. That's why it's called reality. Pick a world, and this nightmare will all be over. This is going to be a tricky one. Broadcast 15th of May, written by uh, Simon Nye, who's uh, most well known for writing uh, the BBC comedy Men Behaving Badly. Um, I love this episode. Uh, I just think it's brilliant. Uh, it's uh, It's been five years since Amy Pond last travelled with the Doctor, and when he lands in her garden again on the eve of the birth of her first child, she finds herself facing a heartbreaking choice, one that will change her life forever. It was a really cool episode. It was. Just, I just liked... It kept you guessing through the entire episode. You really didn't have a clue why this was happening or what was going on or which which life was true. Because mm-hmm. everyone kept saying, oh, wouldn't it be cool if the five year in the future was the real, you know, all of a sudden the series jumps five years. Yeah. And, I'm, you know, that would have been cool, too. But I, I like the way they wrapped it all up at the end. Um, and I like the fact that she chose. Yes. Officially. Yeah. And that's that to me, that kind of settled it. I was like, OK, good. She's not going to be one of those companions she she chose right she went with her heart and that's who she really should be with i i loved this episode i thought it was great i loved the choice that she made and how she came to it Mm -hmm. i it was just it was great i i it just leaves me speechless obviously (laughs) (laughs) and uh the dream lord he was he was just brilliant oh yeah. yeah he was creepy i like how you discovered that Spoiler alert! Um, that for those of you who have not seen this series, if you have not, I don't understand why you're listening to this podcast. Um, <laughs> but I like how you find out that that's actually the Doctor, and in a way, I think that's how he sees himself as this kind of. No offense to Mr. Toby, who played um, the Dream Lord, how he just kind of looks like this disgusting old man and just kind of a, a bit of a creeper yeah toby jones uh, toby jones pulled it off i mean it's nice nice nod as well to uh, the fact that he's he's wearing a very similar outfit to the doctor in that um and mm-hmm. it's obviously it's the mirror mm-hmm. version of him and he does turn around and say the one point and that's actually when i guessed it when he turned around goes, there's only one person who hates me more than anyone it's himself you know and mm-hmm. uh but the, yeah. the the whole thing what they did to the tardis as well by freezing the inside of the tardis just looked beautiful i mean it just looked absolutely amazing and of course heartbreak as well but this is because Rory dies in this episode, and oh god, I know that's it. Yeah, and you think, oh man, this is this is quite hard, but and it was, it was brilliant. It's so well acted by both of them, yeah. and so well wrote. Um, and of course, we we need we, well, we'll come to it in the in the next uh, next episodes. But that to me was perfect. It was just absolutely perfect. And as you say, the choice at the end, it, it got rid of that silliness from uh, as what we talked about earlier mm-hmm. on, and uh, and and uh, just just an awesome episode. I'd love to see Toby Jones come back. I think we will. I think we, I'd like to see him. I don't know how. Um, yeah, he'd have to be a really well wrote um, 
you know episode but i'd love to see toby jones come back because he's such a fantastic actor he does have that darkness and also kind of slimy way of of, of acting which is you know yeah. it's a horrible thing to say about him but it's just because of the fact that he is a good actor <laughs> anyway yeah. um right racing on god we're getting through these uh uh pretty quickly which is a good thing uh <laughs> after, after our last after our last uh, doctor who podcast which i think ran over nearly three hours longer and it took me ages to edit that down and i will make sure i get yeah. the speeds right on the clips this time <clears throat> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the next one, the uh, the hungry earth. Ground feels strange. The graves around you eat people. You stopped the drill, right? Yes. Why can I still hear drilling? <gasps> Doctor. What was that? Is it monsters coming? Under the circumstances, I'd suggest. Run! Have you met monsters before? Yeah. You scared of them? No. They're scared of me. Uh, written by Chris Chibnall, the Doctor, Amy and Rory have landed in the near future in a small Welsh village. It's beautiful, but danger is just beneath the surface. The Silurians are back. This is the first of a two-parter. Um, Casey, uh, the, the Hungry Earth, the old Silurians are back, uh, an old uh, enemy of the Doctor. Well, not really an enemy, but an old race the Doctor's met before. Uh, did you like the uh, first part of this uh, two-parter? I thought it was... I liked it. It wasn't one of my favorites. Yeah, but talking about someone you want to punch in that face, that Tellurian woman, I just wanted, I wanted her to die. And I guess that was the point of the episode mm-hmm. and the following episode. But yeah, I thought it was, well, you know, decently written and it definitely got the reaction that they wanted out of me. So I think, I think it worked well. I, I actually, yeah, I enjoyed this two-parter. I thought it was really cool. Uh, now, the person I wanted to punch in the face was the daughter yes. of the, the family. <laughs> she could have been killed, and I would have jumped for joy. Mm, yeah. Um, she, drove, she drove me crazy. And I'm, I'm assuming that's what she was supposed to do, but she just, she was everything horrible about human beings. Yeah, and, and I think that's exactly what how it was supposed to have been. Uh, and they did a really good job, and the actress did a great job at portraying it, because it was horrendous. Mm. And I was ready to kill her. But uh, yeah, it was a fun. It was fun to see. I love the the effects. The makeup was was wonderful. Um, yeah, it was just it was a fun. It was a fun episode. And I'm I'm glad it was a two parter because you know, I did enjoy the second part as well. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple of things with this. I mean, uh, as Casey said, she she wanted to punch the Silurian in the face, and you wanted to do that to the the daughter. So it's great that those two things exactly what they're meant to do because the <laughs> the you know the the alien there is is. She wants to die because she knows it will start a war. And you're looking at the woman who is protecting her, her family. She's lost her husband. Then she's lost a child. Then her father is injured by these people. So she's pushed to the ultra limit. And uh, there was a good debate that people are saying, well, if you're in her position, what would you do? And it does it does make you think. You think to yourself, well, actually, I I would hate to think that I would be like her, that I'd, I'd actually get to that point where I would want to kill somebody. But then thinking about it, if somebody stole my daughter uh, and my wife, 
I would go to the, I nothing would stop me from getting them back. I would go through mm-hmm. brick walls and I, I'd happily kill someone if they hurt my daughter. And I'm probably putting myself out there to be arrested uh, saying that. Uh, <laughs> but um, but so it's really well done. And and because I I'm on the side of you here, Kenny. I hated her. I would I I was hoping mm-hmm. she'd get killed pretty pretty quickly. But fantastic uh, fantastic acting. Um, there's a nice little thing about dyslexia in this as well, where Elliot turns around and says he's dyslexic, and the doctor replies, oh, that's all right, I can't make a decent meringue. Um, that was just <laughs> real nice nice little put in there. Um, the Silurians are old, uh, old um, race that's been in several Doctor Who episodes. Uh, I remember them mainly from a third Doctor episode called The Sea Devils. Um, and there was a, quite a few people who turned around and said they didn't like the way that um, these Silurians looked, but I thought the makeup was, was just brilliant. Brilliant. And the fact that the woman played two parts, she was the because it was those sisters, weren't they? Uh, and yeah. so she, yeah, she so she played um, both um, both uh, both of the sisters, which I didn't know at the time. It wasn't until I didn't know either. That's yeah. really cool. And uh, I the, didn't know that either. Oh well, then, there we go. You see, once again, I deliver <laughs> I deliver a fact to my my good Doctor Who buddies here. Uh, the uh, the nod uh, to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Did you grab that one? I think. What was the thing again? What did they do? Uh, it's the actor um, Stephen Moore who plays the uh, who plays Aldane, the uh, the leader of the Silurians. He was Marvin, the uh, paranoid android in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Didn't get that, no. Yeah, I didn't get that either. Woohoo! I'm on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a little uh, another fact here that. Um, we know now. I think it's been it's fairly obvious that traveling with the Doctor isn't always rosy. Uh, people die. Um, the uh, one of the first deaths in Doctor Who that actually had a, a traumatic effect on uh, and many Doctor Who fans was in an episode called Earth Shock uh, with the Fifth Doctor, in which Adric dies. Uh, he dies saving the Earth uh, against the Cybermen, and the end credits of that episode ran silent. It was just the words coming up and no music. Um, so that was the first time we had to see a companion die. And of course, in this episode, in well, in the final episode, which is Cold Blood, um, we see Rory gets killed. I, I have a problem with this because I couldn't care less on this episode that he died, and and which is I hate to say because I said I like Rory, but because he died and it was so well done in Amy's choice, it didn't work with the follow up with Cold Blood. Um, Kenny, do, do you think the same, or do you have a different? No, opinion? you know, I actually like. I mean, yeah, his death was horrible. In Amy's choice, mm. but when she made the choice and that was him, and you know he, and then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, I mean him being back when she finally chose, and then he, she's taken away from her. Mm. You know, I think the death was even worse the second time. Right, really. So, yeah, I mean, the, I think the interaction, you know, was great in the first one when you know because obviously she was there when he when he got touched and mm. turned into dust, but. uh yeah, I don't. It just it was. I, I don't know. It was just more permanent. Yeah, yeah. With the with the memory going even more. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, yeah. I actually thought the death of Rory the second time around was the worst one because for, in one, um, in Amy's choice, um, when he died, you didn't expect him to die again. But uh, the second time round, uh, at the very beginning of Hungry Earth, um, the doctor's just like, "Oh, hey, look, it's you two. And you're waving. <laughs> and they're just like, can we go meet us? So on the line where Rory said, I can't die here, I just lost it. Mm-hmm. And then when Amy started, you know, thro- throwing a fit because she knew she was going to forget him, that it just made it worse. Mm-hmm. And I would just like to say that um, 
after this episode, I texted my boyfriend. I was like, oh, my gosh, Rory died. And he typed back, who? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I texted back. I was like, you know who I'm talking about. And he's just like, no, I don't. I don't. Who's, who's that? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> there was a, as you mentioned there, where you see them uh, waving. Uh, and then at the end of that, it's just uh, Amy on her own waving. Um, that doesn't work for me. I don't quite understand that at all. Uh, it was never, it was never answered that. Why were they there? And why would she be on her own waving? And if she was there just because the fact she knew the TARDIS was going to be there, because we know what Amy's like, she's pretty inquisitive and nothing will get in her way. She wouldn't be standing that far away waving. She would actually go up to them and speak to them. So I, I'm a bit funny about the end of that. I'm not too sure why they they had that scene in with them waving. I don't. I, I think just don't... it was just more for show, to mm. show that Rory is gone because he's there at the beginning and then they go back to the same scene and he's not there. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think it was just story plot and it just they really didn't think through that it needed to make sense. Mm. Yeah, I think I think that what they were trying to do was prove that time is in flux. Yeah. So at the beginning, Rory and Amy are together, and then now that Rory's dead, um, it's just Amy. I don't know. I just think they were trying to prove a plot point. Mm. I think it was sloppy. I'm writing a letter to complain. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we leave that and we now go on to a, uh, a beautifully written episode, I think, uh, well, me personally, uh, Vincent and the Doctor. To me, Van Gogh is the finest painter in the world. He looked there in the window of the church. Is it a face? Yes. Uh, not a nice face at all. We need to talk to Vincent Van Gogh. Thank you, Aggie! <gasps> so much more to the world than the average eyes allow to see. <laughs> The eyes without mousy. If we're not careful, the net result of my present little trip will be the brutal murder of the greatest artist who ever lived. Can you breathe a little quieter, please? No! I know how it will end. Doctor! Amy! No, no, no! It will not end well. Uh, this was written by Richard Curtis, who's uh, most well known for uh, Blackadder and, of course, writing films such as Four Weddings and a Funeral and Notting Hill. So we know he's a bit of a romantic at heart. I'm expecting to hear Casey get excited in a moment with the words romantic <laughs> at heart. Um, I love this. I mean, I... <laughs> One, it was filmed at the same place where they did Vampires of Venice. They obviously utilised the surrounding areas, and it does look beautiful. Croatia is a beautiful country anyway. Um, In this episode, the Doctor, Amy, and, of course, Vincent van Gogh, and that's how you say it, uh, and a terrified alien all feature in this stunning but heartbreaking adventure written by Richard Curtis. Um, It also uh, has um, Bill Nye in it, who, to me, can't do no wrong. Um, Casey, uh, what's what's your thoughts on the, the Vincent van Gogh? episode well i this is my one of my top five favorite episodes <laughs> just just is i'm going to avoid saying vincent's last name because <laughs> i've been raised for 23 years thinking that it was something else um <laughs> <laughs> but i i thought it was brilliant i did not expect this to come out of richard curtis of all people i just for the most part i always expected him to write comedies i never expected him to write drama much less sci-fi so i i thought it was beautifully written it surprised me and it really you know not 
not so much the romance, which, you know, I liked. I liked the flirting between Vincent and Amy, but I liked the how they handled how Vincent was bipolar and how, you know, no matter what they did, Vincent was always going to uh, die the way he did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I, I don't mind admitting that when um, Bill Nye's character, Dr. Black, um, which is interesting, um, mm. is talking about Vincent and... You've got that scene where Vincent is standing in the middle of this room, looking at all his paintings, watching him go out. And the music in that, the way Bill Nye delivers it, the emotion comes out. I don't mind admitting that I did well up. And it takes a lot for me to get in that. To, I think you, you both know me well enough to know that I don't get that emotion. <laughs> but I was I was so moved by it. And it was just absolutely perfect. Black. Uh, we met a few days ago. I, I asked you about the church Oh, yes. Glad to be of help. You were nice about my tie. Yes. And today is another cracker, if I may say so. But I just wondered, between you and me, in a uh, hundred words, where do you think Van Gogh rates in the history of art? Well, um, big question. Um, but to me, Van Gogh is the finest painter of the world. Certainly the most popular, great painter of all time. The most beloved, his command of colour, the most magnificent. He transformed the pain of his tormented life into ecstatic beauty. Pain is easy to portray, but to use your passion and pain to portray the ecstasy and joy and magnificence of our world, no one had ever done it before. Perhaps no one ever will again. To my mind, that strange wild man who roamed the fields of Provence was not only the world's greatest artist but also one of the greatest men who ever lived. Vincent. Sorry. I'm sorry, is it too much? No. They are tears of joy. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. You're welcome. Sorry about the beard. So about you. I know there is that scenario of people saying, well, is the doctor responsible for, for the death of, uh, of, of Vincent? Is it what sends him mad? And we find out later on that he was part of that. Um, but um it's to me it was what it was just a beautifully well written episode i mean Ke- kenny is, it, is this in your top five um you know no it's not oh. um i i enjoyed the episode i thought it was great but i just didn't get what everybody was just praising about because mm. you know because all through twitter because i see it you know because i download it when it airs on the uk so i probably get like two days later yeah and you know, I try to avoid Twitter. I try to avoid Chucks and Sci-Fi 4. I try not to read any spoilers. Mm-hmm. You know, but people, you know, they either say, oh, my God, I just loved it. They don't give any spoilers. They just say what they feel about it on Twitter. And people just gushed about it. So maybe my my anticipation was just, you know, I expected it to be this, oh, my God, moment. You know, mm-hmm. this episode's good. And it wasn't that. It was, it was a great episode, well-written, well-acted. Yeah. It was beautifully done. And I enjoyed it from beginning to end. But it wasn't one of those oh my god episodes, yeah. That I was expecting, and maybe that's because of Twitter. Maybe you know, 
I just and I expected more, I guess, from it. Um, yeah. interesting thing with this episode. There's two facts here that I'll read out. Uh, one, Doctor Black, um, Bill Nye is not credited in this episode, which is weird. Um, and it's just, it's just slightly unusual. And Doctor Black, that name is such a brilliant name. And the fact that Bill Nye is not wasn't credited, I think we I think we could see him again. You know, um, while he's wearing the bow tie as well. Uh, bow ties are cool. Um, so I think we're going to see him back. Uh, the painting that we see in that, the, the painting that alarms the doctor in the museum is a version of the church at the Uvea, uh, which Vincent van Gogh painted in the last year of his life. Uh, the painting is an oil on canvas work and resides in the Musée d'Orsay in Paris. Um, the version seen on screen was actually painted by John Whaley, and it took him a day and a half to create, which is a, is a uh, you know, I'd love to see a bit more of his work, actually, because that was a brilliant, uh, you know, version of it. It must have been yeah. good stuff. Um, I, okay. Oh, go on, yeah. I still I still can't get over Vincent, because Vincent Van Gogh, he's always been Van Gogh to me. <laughs> and they drove me crazy. They kept saying his name differently, and I'm like, Maybe I just—I mean, my forty years—and I just never heard it correctly pronounced. But everyone has said Vincent Van Gogh. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's either Vincent Van Gogh or Vincent Van Gogh is how I used to know he as. Uh-huh. Um, but I was uh, one of. I've, been to uh, Amsterdam, so I've actually been to the museum of, uh, of Vincent's and uh, looked around, and uh, I was told by um, the Dutch uh, curator there that it's actually Vincent van Gogh, um, and that's how you pronounce it, uh, the, the Dutch so way of funny. saying it. Yeah, it is a bit no hard to say. say. Yeah, and yeah. also don't say it when you're eating a sandwich uh, and talking to someone, <laughs> otherwise they they're not gonna not gonna thank you when you get covered in bits of sandwich. <laughs> uh, next episode is series, the Lodger. doing up there you put the advert up yet yeah did it today paper shop window find me a man yeah otherwise you have to settle for me you have to settle for me first just tell her i love you 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 well that's good because i'm your new lodger Written by Gareth uh, Roberts. Uh, overview here. There's a house on Aikman Road with a staircase that people go up but never come down. To solve the mystery of the man upstairs, the doctor must pass himself off as a normal human being and share the flat with Craig Owens. Love this episode. This is one of my favorites of the season. Everything about it, I, the doctor being human was the the funniest thing I've ever seen. He was, he's, he's so, Matt Smith is so brilliant as an actor as playing the doctor and then playing the doctor who's playing human it 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 just it was awesome yeah totally awesome and i liked the lodger the the roommate he was i know he's like from gavin and stacy yeah james corden his name is love him um and he was just he was that as a duo those two were perfect i'd love to see him as a companion (laughs) <laughs> okay uh, you see now I, I i have a bit of a problem with him and this is the exact same reason why i had a problem with um Catherine tate oh you'll be pleased to know that i've actually um i've warmed to donna now uh gone back oh, and watched a few a few finally. episodes and <laughs> i've started to warm to her only warming mind is only... <laughs> um but i i have the same issue with james cord as i did with Catherine tate i know her as i know him sorry as a comedian and he's a bit of a um 
a one-trick pony to a certain degree. Uh, this actually changed my view of him, uh, thankfully. But uh, when I first knew that he was going to be in this episode, I was like, oh, no, this is going to be terrible because he's a, all he does is jokes about him being a, a big fella. But I actually warmed to him. I, I thought he was really good in this episode. And I thought, oh, you know what? Well done, mate. You've 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 acted your socks off here, and you've you've come across as a decent a decent uh, fella. Um, there's I have a few issues with it, but I'll, I'll wait until I, I hear off Casey. So, Casey, did, did you like this episode? I liked this episode. I thought it was uh, the necessary lightness it needed to be after a heavy ep- episode like Vincent and the Doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked I really liked the lodger. Um, I think one of my favorite bits in it was um, when the doctor does his whole telepathic thing with holding someone's head, and <laughs> in this they make fun of fun of it, and he's just like fast version, and they just do a head butt. Yeah. <laughs> like in this and in this crack of pain, you get like these flashes of what's going on, and the lodger's just like <gasps> huge gasp. <laughs> I do wonder how many kids in the playground um, were doing that after watching uh, <laughs> that. Episode, yeah. All right, let's play Doctor Who. I'm just going to headbutt you. you know, that's, that's your reason for doing it. Nice one. Nice one. Um, yeah, <laughs> there's a nice little nod to uh, the previous episode of Vincent van Gogh there with um, the, uh, the, the picture on the fridge. That was nice. Uh, the Doctor wearing the number 11 jersey uh, for the football team. Um, this was probably the second time that the uh, a sport has been associated with Doctor Who. Peter Davison was uh, playing cricket, and uh, it was virtually the exact replica scenes for that. Um, this was originally a comic strip, um, which featured the 10th Doctor and Mickey, uh, and was uh, rewrote to, uh, for this new series. I liked it. It was good. I have a serious problem with, the, uh, with two things. One, the ship, which is almost identical to the eighth Doctor's TARDIS. Um, If you see the Doctor Who, the movie, uh, with Paul McGann playing the Doctor, um, his uh, console room looks exactly like that. And I thought that could have been a little bit more um, spread out, the fact that they could have said this is another TARDIS and then it disappeared. Because it just seemed to not... It didn't really answer anything about that. Do you don't think it was just a nod? to older Doctor Who fans? I don't... I th- did think that a little bit, which is probably the reason why I'm thinking it was looks exactly like the 8th Doctor's TARDIS. <laughs> but, you know, it's one of those things where it's it's okay to do that, but then not have anything else. You know, there's no other reaction to it. Um, I, I mm-hmm. thought it was a bit weak. And also, that house just looks stupid without the top bit. I'm just being picky, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> no change there, then, I. <laughs> Actually... Actually, I agree with you, Meds. Hey! Those are the two things that bothered me. Oh, brilliant. Oh, come on, Emma. Yeah. I, when I saw the t- top room TARDIS thing, I was just like, what the heck is that? <laughs> Minus five points. <laughs> five points from five points from Gryffindor. <laughs> and, then they took a, and then they took away the top part of the house. And I'm just like, who would live in that? Yeah. Yeah. Who it's would just... live in that? It's, it's stupid, isn't it? It just didn't look like a, you know, I mean, that's like, it's a common looking house in England, that is, and you wouldn't have something that looks so stupid in the middle of it. It's like, oh, man, that was so, so bad. Yes, definitely minus five points. Um, the last two episodes, the, uh, the, the Pandorica opens. There were cracks. Through some we saw silence and the end of all things. It's the crack in my wall. Two parts of space and time that should never have touched. Pressed together. All through the universe, rips in the continuum. How can it be here? How can it be following me? 
I don't know yet, but I'm working it out. Some sort of space-time cataclysm, an explosion maybe, big enough to put cracks in the universe. But what? The universe is cracked. The Pandorica will open. Silence will fall. Pandorica. <laughs> That's a fairy tale. If it is real, it's here and it's opening. What is it? A box, a cage, a prison? There was a goblin or a trickster or a warrior soaked in the blood of a billion galaxies. The most feared being in all the cosmos. The Pandorica. More than just a fairy tale. It's opening. Your world has visitors. Dalek's daughter. And cyber ships. Sontaran, Slovene, Chelonian, Nestine, Dravin. What's in there? What could justify all this? What are you? What could you possibly be? Written by, of course, Stephen Moffat and directed by Toby Haynes. Uh, after so many ominous warnings, the Pandorica finally opens, but the secret it holds is more terrifying than even the Doctor had anticipated. Uh, this is the first part of the series finale. It's fast-moving, and it is monster-packed. Uh, it was a bit of an annoying thing, but still, there we go. Um, Casey, uh, your, 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 your thoughts on the per- first part of this uh, double build, the Pandorica opens. I I was taken for a loop. I was completely surprised because I had my own theory about what was going to happen because I thought they were going to take um, their whole revision of the new series to a new level and suck everything into the crack and then create everything like from scratch all over again. Mm. Kind of like what they did with the Daleks mm-hmm. in Victory of the Daleks, and I was dreading that. But then Rory showing back up, Amy getting shot by Rory, the doctor ended up, you know, in inside the Pandorica because all of the all of his nemeses are like, um, you're gonna cause the end of the world and the universe, so you need to go in the box. <laughs> I was not expecting any of it, so good on good on them. Uh I enjoyed this finale. Uh I don't know if it was my favorite, but it definitely was up there. And um, I love the fact that all of the Doctor's nemesis teamed up. They all put aside their own little things mm. to go after the Doctor, which I, I had not a clue that that was, was going to happen. Uh, the Pandorica box, I thought the Doctor, when they opened it, I thought the Doctor was already going to be in it, another version of the Doctor. Yeah. That's what my thing – but once I caught on, once they started – you know, obviously when you're supposed to catch on, that they're going to be putting him into the to, to box to lock him up forever. Mm-hmm. Um like the whole Rory and Amy scenes. Oh, please, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was that was great. I love little Amy, the little girl who plays Amy. Mm. I'm so glad they brought her back because she's so good. I mean, she's because that's one one of the reasons why I like the first episode so much is because she's in it. Yeah, she's just so adorable. Her uh, interaction with Matt Smith. Yeah, I 100 percent agree. I mean, she's actually related to uh, Karen Gillian as well. I think it's a, oh, is she? Yeah, it's a cousin. I think it's a cousin. Okay. Yeah. So when you look, okay. they do look similar, and it is because they do they are, look similar. Yeah. 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 They are. They are related. So, but, but, but I love her, and it was. It was just. It was. A, it was a good, nice episode, and um, a good way to the beginning of the end of the season. Yeah, in this, in this episode, we find that River Song travels through time using a time vortex manipulator. And who else uses that? It's Captain Jack. Captain Jack. Uh, yeah, that's right. so that's that's the thing there. It's like, is she to do with Torchwood? Um, I don't think she'll turn up in Torchwood, although at the moment it's been 
being wrote um, for the new series, uh, mm-hmm. joined uh, joined to America. Um, I, I I really did enjoy this episode, and I I 100 agree with both of you on, on everything that you've said, and especially as well about young uh, Amy or Amelia. Um, there is that scene where she's waiting for the Doctor. We saw it in the first one, where it's just so heartbreaking. The fact that she's just uh-huh. sitting, she's she's packed a little. I mean, this this is stuff like that that actually really does bother me a little bit in, yeah. a, in a good way um where yep. you see her pack a little bag she's she's putting the little stuff in a little teddy and all this kind of jazz and closes it and goes down she's just sitting there swinging the legs waiting for him to come and you know he doesn't turn up and it's heartbreaking because you, you know we, we all know it's like when we were young and and i, I now with my little daughter i think there's little things like that where her hopes are dashed and of course you know that that actually affects her for the rest of her life being with the raggedy doctor Mm-hmm. This, this was an awesome episode and uh i was a bit i did have a little bit of an issue where uh the stonehenge bit where he's standing up there and he's shouting to all the the aliens there because you think you know what that they have a lot they've got lasers and you just think i said this let's just shoot him and you know <laughs> just it's all scenario of like you know the, the james bond scenario with you know don't tell him all the plan and then not kill him Tell him the plan yeah. and then shoot him in the head. You know, get like, <laughs> he, he's not going to be able to regenerate when he's been blasted by a laser. It's it's like that whole thing of um in like Highlander that we used to say at school. Well, okay, so you kill Highlander by chopping his head off. But what if you chopped his arms off and his legs and just left him there for a bit? What would happen then? You know, these things these things do matter. <laughs> Um, this, yeah, great, great first part, and then we we head of course to the big bang, and what a bang, what a bang it was. Uh, I my mind was just blown, like from one minute to the next. <laughs> I think this was the episode where I finally went, okay, River Song's not that bad, um, especially when the Doctor decided that a fez was a good idea, <laughs> and, and he's like, fezes are cool, and River just look at each other. They throw it up in the air, just shoots it. <laughs> right then, I have questions. But number one is this. What in the name of sanity have you got on your head? It's a fez. I wear a fez now. Fezes are cool. Oh! <laughs> it, was, it was brilliant. And also, I think the best part of the series was when the doctor is, like, in the basically creates the crack and it ends up going back through time throughout the entire past series and he comes up with the something old something new that just blew my mind it, it was brilliant it was a brilliant episode i loved it uh yeah i'm right there with you i loved everything about it uh, i just i loved all the time traveling and it went back to like we said with the angels mm-hmm. and he went you know it's all these things that you you saw that you really didn't understand, and it all made sense. Cause I just love writing like that. When they when they really put time, this episode was built backwards. I mean, it was sprinkled into episodes, you know, throughout the entire series. So it all, it just, I like the overall story of it all. I just love writing like that. That just makes sense. Yeah. You, know, you might not get it the first time you watch the episode, but now that you watch this last episode and you go back and watch the episode again, mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, yeah, that's when he jumped back to do this, and then... You know, him jumping back and forth to see Rory was hilarious. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. That was just brilliantly you know. played by those two, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you know, and then he finds out from Amelia that he's supposed to go back and see her. So then all of a sudden he, you know, jumps back in time to give her the note so she would go and take her so- – you know, uh, you know, she's thirsty. She wants a soda. So he goes and takes it from her in the past yeah. and brings it to her in the future. <laughs> I mean, stuff like that. You can't write it any better. It was just so cool. 
Yeah. Uh, you know? so, and of course, the ending was the best. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I have to. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I can't can't really say anything else because I, I totally agree with, with what you said. That the whole time jumping thing is brilliant with the with the mop. Uh, you know, going back and ah, oh, you've got the mop. That's, <laughs> that's right. Got, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the mop. You gotta yeah. take the mop. And you got all the yeah. sauce food. Hold on a minute. We'll do that. That's a new inside pocket. We've done that. That one's good. <laughs> and it was just these beautiful little things. And of course, what we said about the jacket with the weeping angels, where you suddenly realise that oh, mm-hmm. you know, you go back. I've watched this episode three times now, and each time I watch it, I'm just think I just sitting there shaking my head, thinking, oh, I can't believe it. Of course, that's what that is. Yeah. Yeah, everything's coming to sense. And I know some people say, oh, they get annoyed by the whole, and it really frustrates me. This really does annoy me. Where Doctor Who fans have said, oh, all this time jumping stuff really annoys me. What? It's a it's a sci-fi program about time travel. <laughs> I know that's the whole base of the show. Yeah, I mean, oh, that's my. what I that's what I love about this show, that, like particularly this series, because they're finally focusing more on the time travel aspect rather than space travel. Look at yeah. all the planets that we can visit. If you have a time machine, use it. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, and I think Stephen Moffat is 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 always been more of a fan of that. I mean, he's an old school fan anyway. And and the original premise for Doctor Who was to be educational as well as entertaining. So that's the premise of the BBC. Uh, and of course, so they'd always drop historical things. And we had the you know all the stuff about the Romans with, with uh, you know, her being Cleopatra, which is quite weird in in a way. But there was the, the the just that really nice bit where Rory he's killed her and. And it's heartbreaking anyway. And then when the doctor just pops up himself, look, she's not actually dead. Well, she is dead. Well, she's not dead, but she is. And you're thinking, what? Hey? And you can see that the, the look of confusion on Rory is like, what? Hey? I'm, a, I'm made of plastic. And the fact that he stands by her for 2,000 years. I mean, that's, I was just going to bring that up. Mm. That, now, that is true love. If you stay with someone for 2,000 years, that's, that was incredible. And not, not be able to sleep. Yeah. Right. yeah. Not being able to sleep. The woman that you love is inside a box, half yeah. dead, yeah. and you don't get to talk to one another. And basically, <laughs> you're protecting it from like wearing and like wild animals and that armies. Was, yeah. And yeah, that's true love. I mean, that's definitely romantic. And you had that that nice drawing like, as well of, of in the Roman outfit pulling the box out mm-hmm. from the from the during World War Two. Yeah, ah, oh, that yeah. was just brilliant. Because you think, yeah. oh God, he must have melted that. And yeah, and then when he pops up as a security guard and shoots the Dalek, that was brilliant. That was just excellent. <laughs> um, the the wedding, uh, we do have a clip of the wedding thing, but I couldn't find the actual clip, which is a bit annoying. I think BBC have been taking a lot of stuff down off YouTube. Um, but uh, there's a montage, so if I have got that, I'll play that uh, that clip in a moment. But the whole wedding thing as well was just brilliant because I know it's cliche and I know it's a bit, you know, predictable. <laughs> but, hey, there's, there's, you know, sometimes you want predictability. You want that kind of thing in a film or a TV program. And when, when all the family look and go, oh, here she goes again about this raggedy doctor bloke. And then we always suddenly think, you know, when, when you suddenly see the TARDIS and she does that beautiful speech about, you know, as you said, Casey, with something old, something bold, something blue. What is it? Something old. Something new. Something borrowed. Something blue. It's the doctor. And suddenly the time, you know it's coming, but you're sitting there and you're getting, oh, oh, here it is, here it is, and the TARDIS comes up. One thing I want to ask, though, is that how come nobody questions it? All the other guests, you know, this strange police box has just turned up in the middle of a wedding. Everyone's going, oh, yeah, hmm, 
Because yeah, I'm, I'm well, <laughs> is, it, is this a magic show? <laughs> but when he pops out with that hat on, I mean, we know. Okay, he loves hats. I mean, we, we know that. Yes. He hasn't got his face. Yeah, I can buy a face. Um, and he comes <laughs> out with that stupid hat on, then does that dance, which is Matt Smith's own creation, uh, I, I should point out. Um, everything about it was brilliant. And then when we get the last scene with River Song, where she turns around and says, And I'm sorry, but it's all going to change. You're left there thinking, Oh, no, yeah. what's going to happen now? But brilliant ending uh, I, I i must say i and i think i did i did email this to you anyway so i punched the air when i was watching this uh, this episode <laughs> it was so green i couldn't wait when you said that you hadn't seen it and it was coming back off your travels um when they're in the tardis and i say goodbye and i'm thinking hold on a minute they've got there's going to be three of them in this tardis there's going to be rory amy and the doctor to me that's fan Fantastic! I've been aching for multi companions in in this TARDIS. You, I've been aching for a male companion, oh. or a, 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 a permanent male companion, not someone who just brings on for three episodes and then leaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I was hoping for because we haven't seen a male, a real male companion for not in this entire new series. No, the the last the last male companion I think was Turlo in uh, the Peter Davison area and Turlo was actually there to kill the Doctor um, but he ended up getting on with the Doctor and stayed with him so Turlo uh, Mark Strickson I think his name is was the last male companion and th- and that's going back to 1984 so that's yeah. a long a long time, long time. So yeah, good good to see Rory Rory into it. And of course we we know about the Christmas special. Um there's something to do with the Orient Express and Mummies. Um as we're recording this at the moment, the Christmas special is being filmed. Um and that's gonna be so being filmed at the moment. I haven't and seen any picture are there pictures out yet? Because I haven't seen anything about it. I've not deliberately not searched, if I'm honest. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I'm I, I, of course I will do soon or later because I uh, I, I, I I like to try and be the first person to post stuff on the Treks in sci fi forums relating to Doctor Who and I, I do get slightly yes, peeved when someone else does it before me and I go, Oh damn you, damn you. <laughs> um well before we before we wrap up and we talk about Matt, uh, we have a clip to play. Um this is Stefan Sornak, who is the writer and and producer of the Martians Are Here podcast, and Stefan and his daughters Raven and Kiera, uh, have a, give us their views on this latest series. So let's play the clip. Good day to you, Mr. Meddings. This is Stefan from Australia, the writer for the Martians Are Here podcast, and I see that today you're doing a, a bit of a story about the uh, Matt Smith Doctor Who. Now, I'm probably not the best advocate for the Matt Smith Doctor Who, seeing as I have what you could call... I'm a fan with reservations, let's say. However, uh, someone at uh, at a wedding last night that I attended pointing out to me that, in the end, Doctor Who isn't necessarily meant for uh, fat old geeks like us. It's actually meant for a much younger audience. And with that in mind, I decided to conscript a couple of uh, younger fans of Doctor Who in, and I'm just going to have a quick chat to them about what they think. Okay, and we have Raven and Kiara here, both of my daughters, and uh, and I'm going to ask the first question: What do you like about Matt Smith as Doctor Who? Well, I like his um, attitude towards it. It's uh, he's like really positive about it, and um, his facial expressions. And basically, he's just a really good actor, and yeah. And he's cute. Yeah, he's cute. <laughs> Raven. Um, he's funny. He tells the truth a lot, a lot. <coughs> he's 
like Yaz says, he has very good facial expressions, and no, he's not cute. Oh, he's not cute? No. So you're saying he's ugly? No, but he's not ugly either. Right. Okay. Alright, is there anything you don't like about the Matt Smith Doctor Who? Mm, he's too positive. He's too positive? Oh. Yes? Well, I wouldn't, like, if I actually wanted to go down and get all the negatives, that'd be take me a bit longer, but just um, saying it now is maybe he should, you know, touch down a bit on the acting like he's a bit Big, I mean, big-headed, sort of thing. Very, ta-da! Like he is the only one there, and he has to be the the only important person. Like he doesn't really make it look like the other people, like Amy. Like he doesn't really share the spotlight for being important. Sort of thing. Oh, interesting. So, what would be your favourite episode of the last season of Doctor Who? Definitely, would, my definite one would probably be the last episode. That was really interesting and funny. Um, well, I don't have a favourite episode, I just have favourite parts. Oh, so what would your favourite part be? Well, one of them would be how they did the something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. Mm-hmm. And how it was the TARDIS. <laughs> and not very expecting either. No, I did not expect that. I expected him to die. Yeah, <laughs> like you. But I didn't like it. I didn't actually expect him to die. I actually expected Amy to forget him like she did. But I didn't actually suspect her to remember him again. Just think that like she wouldn't be his assistant anymore. Which would be very sad, but fortunately... Yeah, Amy's an awesome she's assistant. Staying She's pretty good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome assistant. Okay. Do you have another favourite character in in the series other than the the doctor yes. and his assistant? Yes. I would have Amy Pond and River. River is a very yes, stand up to the doctor. The doctor isn't so important uh, as he says. <laughs> and Amy, her she's just like, there's no way you're gonna get rid of me. I'm staying. I'm gonna do my best. I like Rory too. Yeah, Rory's cool. Okay. What do you like about Rory? He's not cute, if you're thinking about that. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> no, he's funny. He's romantic, very. But he makes sure... <laughs> yes, with Amy, of course. He married her. Um, he is like, don't let, don't forget me, type thing. He, he's a worry ward. He's a worry ward. <laughs> Yes, that's my and, um, and that's that makes him lo- likable. He it makes him funny. Oh. Well, yeah. That um, Rory, mm, he's a bit funny in his acting. Like when he's like, I'm the thing. He's like has his mouth all wide and he looked rather strange. He's pretty good at acting and <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. It was upsetting when she when he died and when we forgot about him. That was cool when he came back. That was awesome. Oh. So <laughs> do you have a uh, a, a favourite enemy of the Doctor? A favourite bad guy from the series? Um, oh, definitely the Daleks. They are really Yes, scary. the Daleks are very impressive. So are the Cybermen. All the Cybermen. They scared me. 
<laughs> I like the angels as well, the weeping angels. In they the, the one with me. the David Tennant episode was better than the one with the yes, new Yes, the one but with um, the new the Doctor Who. The angels did not. They looked at each other more than once, and they did not freeze forever. Yes, it was they're supposed to freeze forever. But we're not really talking about David Tennant. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, keep it out. Okay, so to finish off. Is Matt Smith the best Doctor Who? Okay, now we get back to David Tennant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, David Tennant is not exactly my favourite after I saw Matt, but though, assistance-wise, Amy became my favourite. Though, for Doctor Who, I'm not sure. Out of Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant and Matt Smith, I've got no idea. They're really good all together. Well... Matt Smith and David Tennant are very out there in that way and they always speak that technical way. <laughs> That's what I liked about Chris because he didn't speak that really technical way and he didn't act the same as a previous Doctor. So it made you feel like he really is a completely different person but he's still the same person. Oh, very good. So, there you go, Meds. There you have it. Straight from the horse's mouth. Uh, hopefully that gives you something to think about and, and everybody who's listening something to think about. And uh, hopefully I'll, uh, I'll catch you when I get back from New Guinea. See ya. Okay, so that was uh, Stefan there. Thanks uh, for sending that in, Stefan. That was uh, nice of you to do it at the last minute. Uh, I think you just come back from a wedding, so good on you, mate. Uh, so let's have a roundup. Um, we've got a brand new doctor, we've got a brand new TARDIS, brand new producer, a brand new head writer. Um, Kenny, your overall feelings uh, about Matt Smith and the whole series uh, of Series 5? Uh, okay, my feelings about Matt, Matt Smith, he's brilliant, he's perfect. I had doubts when they, because I when when I heard David was leaving, I was hoping for an older actor to to play the Doctor, just because you know the last few have been quite you know a little bit younger, and of course they go in the complete opposite direction and go completely young. This is the youngest Doctor or youngest actor to play the Doctor, but I mean the moment he was walked on screen, the moment he walked out of that TARDIS in the first episode. He was the doctor. He embodies every, and it's not just he plays a little bit. He's he's his own doctor, but you see bits and pieces of previous doctors in him, just by the way he acts or certain mannerisms. He's 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 unbelievable. I mean, he's 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 getting there to be my favorite doctor. Mm-hmm. He, I still, I'm still Eccleston. Eccleston is my favorite still. Yeah, and Tennant is really close, but Matt, if he does another great season like he did this past season he definitely will take it as my favorite doctor. Yeah. Cool. So I, I I think he's he's brilliant. He was a perfect choice. All the doubters, I hope they're eating their words because they couldn't have picked a better person to play the doctor. Oh, I loved this series. I'm so glad that Stephen Moffat is the head writer because, you know, from his previous works, you know, within the new series and also stuff that he's done in his own, he is just, you know, on the ball as a writer. He's one of the Along with Joss Whedon, he's, you know, one of the top ones for me. Um, Matt Smith is, you know, I I love him. But I think what's important to me about the reason why I love him is that I could I can tell that he is enjoying his job. 
and that he is having such fun with the character. And I never doubted him for an instant. I trust anyone who has a forehead like Neil Patrick Harris. (laughs) Um, You know it's true. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you can still kind of tell that he doesn't really have, you know, he's young. So he sometimes I look at him, you know, trying to look older and wizened and i don't really get it but you know david Tennant will always be my doctor he'll always be my favorite he'll always be my favorite actor but matt smith is doing a superb job as the doctor and i'm looking forward to uh seeing him you know seeing him get stretched out a little bit more as a character yeah excellent cool well for me uh i mean i i'm when we talked last about doctor who obviously he'd just been announced and i guessed that it was going to be matt smith um before they announced it, it was only because i'm just doing some research obviously but uh i think he's fantastic and um my my personal favorite doctor is still peter davison but again that's because it's somebody who i uh, probably this case is the same for you he's was my first doctor and so peter davison will always be there but matt smith is <clears throat> pretty on par with him now um I couldn't I I go back to look at the new series there's only a few episodes I will go back and watch again uh um probably family of blood human nature uh, and a couple of the Eccleston ones I, I can happily go back and watch continuously with this series I can pick I will go back and watch them again and again and again and that for me is really important um Matt Smith is everything that I I personally see the Doctor as you know he's he's everything the Doctor should be. Um, he has essences of Patrick Troughton the way that he he, he walks and talks, uh, his dizziness, and he does look old considering he's actually quite young, and that's important. Okay, I know that the outfit, which did get a lot of criticism to start off with, but I think has won over a lot of fans, um, especially the bow tie. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, although I don't think I will ever wear one uh, <laughs> outside of <laughs> outside of formal dinners. But uh, but no, for me absolutely awesome this this series was fantastic i know there's a few people who have, have knocked matt smith uh mainly because the, the, their their first doctor was um david tennant and this always happens uh peter davidson had it after tom baker uh david tennant himself had it after Chris, christopher eccleson it's it's natural but uh hopefully um those yeah. those will come back and watch it um i teased you earlier on when i said i didn't know anything about the christmas special i'm so sorry listeners and my fellow doctor who <laughs> companions here i am such a git uh, uh i do have some information uh ben stevenson controller of bbc drama commissioning has revealed that this year's christmas special will be doctor who's clever twist on the much loved a christmas carol uh, lead oh. writer, yeah, lead writer and executive producer Steve Moffat has confirmed. Oh, we're going for broke with this one. It's all your favourite Christmas movies at once in an hour with monsters and the Doctor and the honeymoon. And oh well, you know, you'll see. I've honestly never been so excited about writing anything. I was laughing madly as I typed along to Christmas songs in April. My neighbours loved it so much they all moved away and set up a website demanding <laughs> my execution. <laughs> but I'm fairly sure they did it ironically. Uh, people announced to be in this is a. Uh, an actor and of course Harry Potter actor Michael Gambon uh, opera diva Catherine Jenkins which will be her first acting role hmm, could be dodgy uh, along with of course uh, Matt Smith, Karen Gillian and Arthur Darvill as Rory. Uh, the Christmas adventure will be a one hour special. The read through took place in Cardiff on Thursday the 8th of July and production has already begun and filming will continue until 
August. So we've only got round about five months to go before we see new Doctor Who. Uh, I, for That's one, well, counting months. down the days. Yeah, 20, <laughs> 25th of December. I've got it on the calendar as well. It's like a big, uh, uh, big Christmas calendar there for me, <laughs> just knocking off those days. Um, so thanks for, thank you too for once again joining me on these Treks in Sci-Fi special about Doctor Who. Uh, it's always a, always a laugh to, to talk to both of you about Doctor Who. So thank you for joining me. Thanks, man. It's been a blast. A lot of fun. This is a great season. I'm looking forward to more. <laughs> yeah, and of course we'll do another another one for uh, episode, well, uh, series six of Doctor Who. So that's it for us. So we do have a few uh, Easter eggs to play. Yeah, I'm not telling you what they are. And uh, those are coming on as soon as we say goodbye. So I'm signing off. Uh, I'll say goodbye and uh, goodbye to you, Kenny. See you later, Mads. And goodbye to Casey. Bye. <laughs> yes, Glastonbury. Orbital, orbital, are you do the feature in the Cool. Actually, our screen's gone a bit wibbly. Paul, perhaps some glasses for you. Wibbly, wibbly, tiny, right here. There we go. Good. Come on, work. So, Glastonbury, this is the last song of the evening, people. Everyone lost. Let's make this one count. For Orbital, they're back. For Glastonbury, we're back! Let me hear you cheer! Let me hear you roar! For Glastonbury! Yeah, man!
Hello and welcome to Treks in Sci-Fi. The TARDIS has landed and delivered us... Oh, start that again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's, that's for the blooper. <laughs> okay, come on. 